You may be seated. Well, we pick up in John's Gospel, uh, where we left off three weeks ago. Our uh, text this morning is John chapter 15. Uh, We'll be looking at verses 12 to 17. And if you're using the Bible under the chair in front of you, you're going to find that on page 902. John chapter 15. And let's pray before we hear God's word. Our good and gracious God, uh, we desire to hear from you afresh this day through your word. uh, To see you in all your glory. uh, To receive and rest in and be changed by your self-giving love. And so we ask that you would speak to us now through this, your word, by the power of your spirit. Amen. So again, we pick up where we left off, and we left off with Jesus speaking to his disciples uh, in the upper room at the Last Supper on the night that he was betrayed and handed over to death. So John chapter 15, beginning with verse 12. Hear the word of God. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. And this is God's word. Well, as you may have noticed, and in particular if you have been with us for some of our time as we have journeyed through John, uh, you may have noticed some repeated themes, because that's something that John does over and over again, is continually brings up a theme, and then another theme, and revisits another one. And so, today we won't cover everything. Uh, We won't cover the themes that John has already addressed, but rather we're going to focus on what's new. And so to get ready for that, if, if you just dial back a couple of chapters, back to chapter 13, just after Jesus has washed the disciples' feet, he says in verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And so now we shift to our passage today, chapter 15, And the command to love comes back up a second and a third time, a book ending our passage here. But now the command is set in a new context, that of friendship. Friendship with God. Jesus makes that clear in the key verses, uh, verses 13 to 15. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. 
And the first thing that we need to understand about this is that we were created for friendship. Created for friendship. So I remember back to my freshman Brit Lit class reading uh, the famous Gothic novel by Mary Shelley, uh, Frankenstein. Maybe you have read it uh, or maybe seen a movie or a play because there have been lots of portrayals over the last 200 years. That's right, it was first published in 1818. Well, I recently came across an intriguing description of one of the scenes from one of the films in the 1930s trilogy of Frankenstein movies. Now, of course, it was black and white. I found it on YouTube, and I watched it, and it was fascinating. In the second film, The Bride of Frankenstein, there's a scene where the monster stumbles upon a blind man living alone in a cottage in the middle of the woods. And the blind man immediately invites him in. I mean, he, he can't see, so he doesn't see the hideousness of the monster, so he's not afraid. But he invites him in and explains that he's blind and, and even apologizes for it. But then he quickly discovers that the monster can't speak. And so he says this, Are you afflicted too? I cannot see and you cannot speak. We shall be friends. I have prayed many times for God to send me a friend. It is very lonely out here. I shall look after you, and you will comfort me. And then just a little bit later, after he has fed the, the monster, and the monster is lying down because he's been injured, very moving moment when the blind man leans over him and prays, and prays this, Our Father, I thank thee that in thy great mercy thou hast taken pity on my great loneliness and now out of the silence of the night hast brought two of thy lonely children together and sent me a friend to be a light to mine eyes and a comfort in time of trouble. Now in the film only a few minutes go by but you can tell that uh, as the scene unfolds that the monster lives with the blind man for a period of time. A brief period, don't know if it's a number of days or even a few weeks. But they begin to listen to music together. The blind man has a violin so he plays the music. And also the blind man teaches the monster to speak. Now it's only simple basic words like bread, wine, food, good, more, friend. And during one of the lessons the blind man says, Before you came, I was all alone. It is bad to be alone. And the monster responds, Alone, bad. Friend, good. And it may even sound a little comical, I, I, I realize, but watching it is another thing. And the description that I read pointed this out that the only humanity he develops, the monster, the only humanity he develops, he develops in that cottage, in the place where a person literally took him by the hand and calls him friend. A moving scene because it touches on something so significant, so central to what it means to be human. As the writer said, there is nothing more humanizing 
than friendship. There is nothing more life-engendering than friendship. And there is nothing more terrible than loneliness. Why? Because we were created for community. And here in John 15, Jesus calls his disciples friends. Verse 14, you are my friends. Verse 15, I have called you friends. Jesus calls his disciples. Those who trust and follow him, he calls us friends. And that is so very radical. Because you see, up to this point in the Bible, only two people had ever been called friends of God. Only two people. Abraham and Moses. Not Adam. I mean, maybe that's a given. Not Adam, not Noah, not Jacob, not Joseph, not Joshua, not Samuel, not any other prophet, not even King David, a man after God's own heart. Up to this point, only two people had ever been called friends of God. And now Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you are my friends. And though this is so very radical, it is also what we were created for. I had a seminary professor who loved to say, at the center of the universe is a relationship. At the center of the universe is a relationship, a friendship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons forever. And we were created imago Dei, in the image of God. To reflect who God is, to know Him, to reflect His glory, to share in His joy. It's all relational. It's all about friendship. And so if we were created for friendship, then we need to talk about finding true friendship. And so the second thing we need to consider is that, finding true friendship. And you know, when you look at the life of Jesus, and in particular what he says here in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends, Jesus makes it crystal clear that we are not talking about superficial, chummy relationships, but rather about deep, abiding friendship. So I, I once knew a young woman, knew her while she was in her 20s and 30s, and she often referred to her fun friends. That, that's what she had. Oh, yeah, so-and-so, oh, that, that's, that's one of my fun friends. And as I got to know her, I, I realized it turns out that's really all she had were fun friends. She had a very difficult time getting close to others, going deep. It was just too threatening. Now, on the surface, it appeared that everybody liked her, but in reality, hardly anybody knew her. When friendship got too deep or the, the going got tough, I watched her time and time again just leave the friendship, just abandon it. I mean, she was really outgoing. She could talk to anyone, but she was, and maybe still is, a very lonely person. Now, I was able to, to recognize that pretty easily because that's pretty much how I was coming out of high school and going into college. 
But by God's grace and through his work and a lot of friends that put up with me and loved on me and cared for me, I've grown a lot since then. And here, John 15, we see that Jesus is talking about deep, life-giving friendship. Friendship that sticks it out no matter what. In fact, he highlights two characteristics of true friendship. I mean, there are a lot of characteristics of, of good friendship, healthy friendship, but, but two characteristics of true friendship that Jesus notes here are pursuit and disclosure. Pursuit. Jesus says, verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you. I came after you. Pursuit. I pursued you. Jesus initiates. He goes after us. And disclosure. Jesus says, verse 15, I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus lets us in on his life, reveals his secrets, lets us see who he really is. And so if, if two people are going to have a strong friendship, and, and we can't all have strong friendships with, with everybody, we can't. We're, we're limited, we're finite people. But... We all do need friends. We need a few of those really close, tight, strong friendships. And if two people are going to have a strong friendship, then there must be mutual pursuit and disclosure. Each person, each person must pursue the other. Ask about the other. Listen to, pay attention to the other. Continually get to know the other, serve and care for the other. And each person must disclose to the other as well. Open themselves up. Reveal who they really are. Share their hopes, dreams, fears, struggles. Receive care from the other. Strong friendships are marked by mutual pursuit and disclosure. Do you have friendships like that? Because this is part of our loving one another. But whereas friendship with others is so vitally important, it's clear that friendship with God is central and foundational to what it means to be fully human. Loving God and loving others. And so the last thing we need to talk about is friendship with God. Friendship with God. And we're going to focus on verses 13 and 14. Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. And so to start, we see that friendship with God is all about grace. I mean, did you hear it? You are my friends if you do what I command you. Okay. Okay. About grace. Now, I realize when you read this, it may sound like merit. It may sound as if Jesus is saying, If you obey me, then you earn my friendship. But that's not what he's saying. Not at all. In fact, what we read here, it's about evidence, not earning. Okay? It's about evidence, not earning. Jesus is saying, If you do what I command you, that's evidence that you are my friends. That's evidence 
that through my spirit I am at work in you and you are responding to that work in growing in following me, that's evidence that you are my friends. Rejoice. Because you see, there is nothing that any of us could do to earn friendship with Jesus. We can't earn it. Nothing. He says, I chose you. I chose you first. I loved you first. And he first loved us so that we might follow him. So that we might grow as love God, love neighbor people. And so friendship with God is all about grace. Well, next we see that friendship with God is all about his life for ours. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, yes, we are called to sacrifice for others. Yes, we are called in different ways to, to lay down our lives, so to speak, for others. I mean, think about it. This passage, I already pointed out, it is bookended by the command to love one another. We're called to sacrifice for others, to sacrifice our time, schedules, energy, money, possessions, reputation, and so on. And of course, the most costly gift that any of us could give another would be our life for theirs. On September 11th, 2001, there was a young equities trader. Uh, his office was on the, the 104th floor of the World Trade Center's South Tower. And he led at least 18 people to safety that day. Refusing to evacuate, and he could have easily done so, but refusing to evacuate, he assisted firefighters for the entire hour after the South Tower had been hit until it finally collapsed and he died. The 13-minute ESPN documentary won an Emmy. It tells the story of this hero who traversed up and down, up and down, up and down, 17 flights of stairs three different times to help people escape the burning tower. And he was known at the time only by what covered his nose and his mouth for protection, a red bandana. A red bandana that he always kept on him because it was a red bandana that his dad had given him when he was six years old. And now at age 24, Wells Crowther would lay down his life to rescue others. And you know, there are untold stories like this around the world every day. Those that are, that are heartbreaking, noble, inspiring. I mean, each is a beautiful, powerful, profound expression of human love at its best. And each is also a beautiful, powerful, profound picture of an even greater love. Of an even more beautiful, more powerful, more profound rescue. For Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. What Jesus is saying in verse 13 is not primarily about you 
laying down your life for another, but more so about him laying down his life for you. You see, friendship with God is ultimately about Jesus laying down his life for you and for me. And so here's the difference. So if I see your life in danger, and and I risk mine to save yours, and, and I die so that you may live, I've actually not given up my life for yours. Here, here's what I mean. My life is already under the shadow of death because of sin. The Bible's clear. The wages of sin is death. And so one day, no matter what, I know that I will physically die. I can sacrifice a few years of my life and give you a few more, but that's it. I have a few less, you have a few more. And of course, the same is true for you. I mean, there is not a single one of us in this room who can voluntarily die. We will all face death one day, no matter what. Jesus is the only friend who didn't have to die. Jesus is the only friend who didn't have to die. The only one who could voluntarily die. The only one who could ultimately lay down his life because Jesus had a perfect record and death had no claim on him. None. In the words of another pastor, Jesus is saying here, Jesus is saying Because death has no claim on me, because my record is perfect, if I die for you, that doesn't just give you a few more years. That means I pay for every sin and every debt you've ever had or ever will have. I can vanquish death's hold on you. Death will not have the last say if you trust in me. I am your substitute. I stand in your place. If I lay down my life for you, that's real friendship. Because not only am I the only friend who didn't have to die, I am the only one who has ever done that for you. And my death actually saves you fully, forever. And that's true friendship. That's friendship with God. Greater love has no one than this. Greater love has no one than this. Do you have it? Do you have this greater love? And if not, then receive it today. Receive it as a gift by trusting that it's true. By trusting that Jesus died on a cross in your place to pay the death penalty for your sin so that you might be reconciled and have friendship with God forever. And if you do have this greater love, then friend, abide in it. Rest in it. Make yourself at home in it. Because friendship is what we were created for. And it's how we grow 
is those who love God and who love one another. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, you who didn't have to die, thank you for laying down your life for us, that we might know true friendship with you forever. And we would ask now that by the power of your Spirit, you would continue to help us grow in love for you and in love for one another. Amen.